Well, amen. Y'all doing all right? Oh, y'all doing better than that. Let's do it one more time. Good morning, church. Y'all doing all right this morning? All right. I've been, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm excited to be here. I know a lot of uh, my pastor friends has come and preached that said that uh, Dublin gets fired up for Jesus. And uh, it just fires me up to hear that. I love what God's done here, what he's doing, and what he's going to do. So they told me I'll get fired up. And I get fired up too, so we'll fit in. Uh, quite well. I was actually praying with the prayer team uh, in back, and Chris said uh, the reason y'all get fired up was half of y'all were Pentecostals. I don't know if that's true or not, but hey, we'll fit in right well. Um, I just want to say I don't know a lot about Dublin, but I do uh, know a little bit about the area. I know y'all love y'all sports. Over here, any sports people in the house this morning love y'all's sports. I remember growing up, uh, so I'm from Vidalia. Uh, I don't know if I told y'all Blake my name's Blake. I'm a student pastor there, and I grew up playing sports. So I remember uh, playing Dublin. I remember playing East Lawrence, West Lawrence. I remember playing Dublin High, growing up, attending football games. And, uh, man, we tore y'all up. Now, I'm just kidding. Just play. That ain't, a good, that ain't a good way to start a sermon right there. I'm just playing. Actually, it was the opposite. Y'all always tore us up. Don't tell Billy. Don't tell no one about it. They'll, they'll fire me. Uh, they love their sports there. But anyway, and I, it's an honor to be here. I just want you to know that. It's exciting to see what God's done here, what he's doing. And just want to pray for y'all. I want to pray that God just move this morning. If you will, take your hands like this, sit them in your lap. And I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray for you, you can pray for me. And I have to believe that if I'm praying and you're praying, that God will just work in our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for everybody here. Lord, I thank you for their hearts. And God, it's just an encouragement every time we get together, God, to preach your word. And Father, I pray that you would do what only you can do. And God, that your spirit would just move in hearts this morning. God, just uh, show us what we need. God, bring hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless. God, salvation to the ones that don't know you. And we love you so much, and it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I'm excited about our new series. We're starting a new series called Counterfeit. And basically what we're doing is uh, calling out religion, if that makes sense. So calling out religion and how religion is counterfeit. It's not God's plan, but what God's plan is, is a relationship with people. And I've been just kind of reading the uh, Bible this week, and I've been thinking about many things, but I was thinking about some weddings uh, that I've attended. I've been in some weddings. I've went to some weddings. Uh, I thought about my own wedding, and what I was thinking about is this. Uh, in a wedding, on the wedding day, everything has to be perfect. All right, does that make sense? Everything has to be perfect. Uh, flowers have to be perfect. The bride has to be perfect. The dress has to be perfect. Hair, perfect. Okay, the reception, perfect. Everything going into it has to be perfect. I remember waking up on my wedding day around 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning to go get my hair uh, lined up. Per just crazy, right? Just weird stuff. Just everything's got to be perfect. And when I think about that, listen, Nothing wrong with that. Praise the Lord. But uh, I was thinking about that, and, and what I was thinking about is this. So many times we get caught up in uh, the programs, or we get so caught up in uh, everything that's around us that we forget the reason we're doing what we're doing, and we can forget the person. So many times we can get caught up in, in the programs that we forget the person. And I love this text that we're reading uh, this morning because that's exactly uh, what we're going to be talking about. So if you got your Bibles, uh, take those out and turn to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. I'll give you a second to get there. If not, it may be up on the screen. Revelation chapter 2. I'm going to be honest. I might get excited. I, I want to be honest with you. I can feel this text. Uh, I love it. It just burns in my heart. It's one that God brings up uh, all the time to my mind. Uh, and it reminds me of this. It reminds me of, of why I do what I do. It reminds me why I go to church, why I sing, why I pray, why I worship God, why I want to love my wife like Christ loves the church, why I want to raise my kids up in a godly manner, why I want to disciple other people, why, why I join in community and connect groups, why I come here, why I do connect kids. Everything that I do, it reminds me of why I do the what, if that makes sense. So we'll go ahead and read it now. It says this, to the angel of church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. And right here in verse 2 it says this, 
I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people. I know that you've tested those that claim to be apostles, but they're not, and you found them false. Uh, you've persevered and have endured hardships for my name. You've not grown weary. So out the gate, he just commends them. Like he kind of, he kind of applauds them. He, he, here's what he says. He says, uh, you've got spiritual discernment. Uh, you, you've found people that are saying they're apostles and they're not. You've got good doctrine. You've got a Christ-like relationship. Uh, everything I see, here's what he's saying, church. He said, you're killing it. Uh, that's what he's saying. You're crushing it. You're doing good. Now listen right here. So he commends them, but now here's what he does in verse 4. He corrects them. Here's what he says. Yet I hold this against you. One thing. You're, you're killing it, but there's one thing. You've forsaken the love you had at first. There's just oh, one thing I want you to see. Oh, you're doing a lot of good things, but in other words, you forgot the very reason that you're doing them. Oh, your love for Christ has grown cold. You've, you've gotten to a state of religion, and you forgot about the relationship that makes you do the things that you want to do in the first place. Now let's listen right here. And it says, verse 5, he challenges them. He says, consider how far you've fallen. I love it. I just love it. He's like, just think about it. Just consider it. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. So now he challenged him. He says, I want you to consider, I want you to remember a time when your love burned for Christ. And he says, I want you to repent. I want you to turn and to go back there. And then he, I want you to start over. I want you to do the things you did at first. So I once was blind, uh, but now I see. I want you to remember the time where you saw for the first time, the first time you met Jesus when he saved you for the very first time, when your love burned for God more than it's ever burned in your life. I want you to go back to that time. And I want you to remember, and I want you to start over. Now in verse 6 it says this, But you have this in favor, you hate the practice of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Verse 7 says, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That's my prayer this morning. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Uh, that's what, that's what he, I love that text. It reminds me of when he goes up to Lazarus' tombs and, and he calls him out of the tomb and says, Lazarus, come forth. Now, that's the tone that I feel right there. He says, uh, whoever has ears, let them hear. And I pray that we would just search our hearts and let God just work in our hearts this morning. Then he says this, to the one who is victorious, I'll give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is the paradise of God. And here's what I think he's telling us this morning, church, is that uh, I see that you're doing a lot of good things. I see a, a community transformed. I see uh, people serving, people joining in community. I see people, uh, prayer, the prayer team. I see people coming to church. I see you staying faithful in a hard time. But here's what I think he's trying to say is we don't need to forget why we're doing what we're doing. So he gives us three things. And I just want to run through them real quick, and, and then I'll give a few points. I didn't make these up, but these have been preached many times by many people. But he says this. First, he says, I want you to remember. Verse 5, he says, I want you to remember. I want you to consider how far you've fallen. I started thinking about this, and, and, and I, can, I can remember a time uh, when I first met my wife. I remember the place. I remember uh, everything about it. I remember what she was wearing. This has been 10 or 11 years ago. I remember uh, she had blue jeans, shorts on, gray tank top shirt, polka dots on. I had her hair kind of short, kind of crunched up. I had a maroon shirt on, some khaki pants. I remember where we were standing. I remember she walked across the yard, and I was like, yeah, that's the one right there. I, I just, no one had to tell me to go talk to her. All right, no one had to tell me that you need to move and go, go make a move. I knew it. Because right, my heart just burned from the time I saw her. I remember when we first met. Not only do I remember when we first met, I remember a time when I would go out my way for her a little more. She'd go out her way for me. There's uh, a Song of Solomon. There's, it's the love story of these two people in Song of Solomon. And there's a verse that says this, I had you leaping over the mountains. Leaping over mountains. And, and what it means is that you're going out your way for one another. I'm going to be honest with you. I had that girl leaping. Had her leaping. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, because uh, well, we met, but we were still in high school, met then. She'd wake up early, come to my house before school, 
uh, a little extra early. She wouldn't do that now. She, uh, she got up early. We'd have breakfast, came out. I remember she had me leaping too, okay, I won't lie. I'd stay uh, over at her house a little uh, longer, a little later. I'd serve her. I'd wash her car. She didn't have to ask me. I, I'd give her random gift baskets. Every night was date night. And I ain't talking about going on a date. I'm talking about just being together because that's all we needed. Because I loved her, she loved me, but uh, somewhere along the way, where we've been married like six, seven years, six years, don't judge me. If I'm not careful, I'm no longer leaping, I'm just trying to make it up the mouth. Just trying to crawl up the mouth. And what happens is what happens, right? right? That's the question. What happens and what happens is this, uh, we get caught up in the program of marriage and forgot the passion. We got caught up in the performance, but we forgot the person. Uh, so what happens is, uh, date nights might not come as much. Uh, what happens is, 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 maybe I'm still serving my wife and doing good things, but I forgot the reason I'm doing them. And it can be the same way with our walk with Christ. Uh, he, he calls our relationship like a marriage. We're the bride of Christ. Do you remember a time when you saw Jesus for the first time, when you first met Jesus? I remember the place. I remember when he saved me for the very first time. I remember when I was heartbroken because I was dead in sin. I had nothing. I remember the first time he saved my soul. I remember the love I had. I remember the peace I had. No one had to tell me to do anything. I had Jesus, and that was enough. And I remember times that I was leaping over the mountains for Christ. I'd wake up early, read my Bible. I'd step a little later. I'd, I'd go out my way to make sure I uh, spend time with Christ. Do you remember that time when like the best part of your day uh, was getting off work so you could go home and just read your Bible and spend time with Jesus? He has me leaping over the mountains, but so many times we get caught up. What I want you to see this morning is we get caught up in, in the uh, programs and we forget about the person. If that makes sense, there's a story about Mary and Martha, and I love the story. Uh, Jesus comes over to Martha's house, and, and Mary and Martha's there, and, and our girl Martha's just doing it. I mean, she is crushing it. She's mopping the floor. She's doing, wiping down the countertop. She's cleaning the house. She's, she's got the chicken in the oven, okay? She's, she's got it going on, and, and, and Mary ain't doing nothing. Mary's just sitting down. Uh, on her tail, right, just sitting there. And Martha's like, Jesus, you ain't going to tell her she needs help? Like, I'm over here busting my can, and she's just sitting here? And, and Jesus pretty much, I, I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus says this, she's exactly where she needs to be. She's at the feet of Jesus. Hey, you for Martha, you forgot the whole reason you're doing this. I'm here. I'm the person. And so many times we forget that. So one, he tells us to remember. Uh, remember a time. I pray that y'all remember. Then he says, repent. Now, this, this is one of them words that ah, kind of stings a little bit, right? Like we, when we hear the word repent, we don't go, yes, right? We think about like John the Baptist or something with this red face saying, repent, right? It's kind of what we think about. I think it's the same definition, but just different language, different tone. Here's, here's what he's saying. I want you to repent. I want you to turn back. Because before restoration happens, there's always repentance. I want you to repent for putting me in a box, Blake, in a box called religion. Going to church, read your Bible, this and that. You're putting me in a box. So we went to field day. I was watching my son doing sack hop. Bless his heart, man. Me and wife, my wife were in the stands. He, he had his, his sack around him. He went to do the sack hop. Every, like, second hop, wow, right, just face plant. And, uh, man, I'm so thankful he didn't see me and his mom because uh, we were laughing our tails off at him, man. We just blessed his heart. But the whole time that was going on, I was like, God was like, that's what your walk with Christ looks like when you put me in a box. When you put me in religion and you're just doing these things, but you don't even have no love for me. Now, you forgot the love. You forgot your, why you preach, why you pray, why you do what you do. You forgot me. And that's what our walk looks like with Christ. So he says, remember. Then he says, repent. Now he says, repeat. Uh, do what you did before. I know, throw it back. Uh, when, uh, our anniversary two years ago, me and my wife, I wanted to do something special for her. So I got this bright idea that I was going to take her out on a date. She didn't know where I was going to take her. And I decided I was going to take her to the spot where we first met. 
and we was going to have dinner. Had it all planned out, blindfolded her, went and took her uh, to where we first met, had a dinner waiting. Strangest night of my life. Weird. You want to know why? Because the first place we met was in someone's backyard. So here we are, just... Here we are, I'm sitting here, she's sitting there, we're looking at each other, someone else's backyard, we ain't even been at this place in like years, and uh, here we are, just eating our food, real strange, real weird, never would do it again, but here, listen to the heart behind it, because the heart, the heart behind it says this, I remember, the heart behind it says this, I'll never forget, I'll never forget, I'll never forget where we met, and the heart behind it says it. Oh, he says, I want you to repeat. I want you to throw it back. Sometimes I go back to when Christ first saved me. I go back to the spot where I remember, I'll just sit there, and I remember where he saved me. I remember I was lost. I remember I had sin on my life. There was chains on me, alcohol, lust, everything that just was bedded up in my heart. And he freed me. And I'll go back there sometimes just to remind it. I just, sometimes I need to remind the world of the spot where I met Jesus. I'll remind the devil when he's trying to tempt me of where I met Jesus and how he lives in my heart. Sometimes i got to go back and repeat what I did the first time to stir my affections for Christ. I remember when I first got saved, I, I'm, I'm a weird guy, if y'all ain't figured that out. And I, there's something about coffee, all right? Something about black coffee. Something about a little journal. Something about some worship music. Something about my Bible open that just stirs my affections for Jesus. I just love it. It's, it's, it's a good thing. Uh, sometimes it's the sunrise in the morning. I'll sit there and just watch and I say, man, God, you're awesome. You're awesome. Your artwork is awesome. Or I, it's late nights when I'm outside and there's stars everywhere. And I, I say, you're awesome. And I'll just sit there. And I'm telling you, do whatever you got to do to get back to Jesus. If, if, if you meet Jesus in the deer stand, go sit in the deer stand. Leave your gun at the house. Take your Bible with you. Just do whatever you can do to stir your affections for Jesus, to remember, to start back over, to forget this religion and, and to refocus on this relationship. I call it date nights with Jesus. I take God on a date. Uh, the other night, I took him on a day. I was prepping for this, and, and God said, no, son, I want you to stop prepping. I want you to go spend time with me. And I went out in my front yard. I got a little light pole uh, with a light on it. It's, it's, it's at nighttime. It's, it's nice outside. I go out there. I sit under this light pole. I crack my Bible. Uh, I got my coffee right here. I'm just sitting there looking at the stars. It feels good outside. It's just nice. Next thing I know, my little girl, my little three-year-old comes outside. Daddy, what are you doing? Way past her bedtime, but she's pretty, and I can't help it. Come here, sit in daddy's lap. So there I am, sitting outside. Uh, I, I'm in the chair, got the, my Bible open. She's on my lap. I see her chest going in and out, in and out. God has given her breath, given her life. He's Bless me with a daughter. I see the sky, his wonderful creation, and I, I'm transformed. I'm ready to preach again. I'm ready to make disciples again. I'm ready to go talk about God with people again. I'm ready to get back to church again. I'm ready to go again. And I ain't even read the Bible yet. I just feel the weight of it in my hand. Let alone start reading it. When you get alone with God, he will transform your life. That's what it's about. We don't come to church necessarily to get God. We come to church because this is what God's done for us. Does that make sense? Uh, we serve because he first served us. We give because he first gave. Everything that we do comes out of a heart of love because he first loved us. I have to take him back. So there's a few takeaways I want you to see here. A few takeaways. One is this. If you got a pen, write this down. Uh, if you got your phone, get it out. If you got notes on there, I'll give you a quick second. Write this down. Religion didn't make a way, love did. Religion didn't make a way, love did. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Religion didn't make a way, love did. Here's the problem with religion. It's self-focused and filled with failure. It's self-focused and filled with failure. So here's, here's what religion does. Here's what religion says. If, if it's like this, this ladder, this system, uh, I'm going to do it myself. If I do good, then God will, then God will accept me. So if I read my Bible, uh, then I'm going up a step. I'm going to get at the top. I'm going to come off like Hulk Hogan on y'all. 
If, if I pray, then I'm doing better. If, if I don't cuss, don't drink, maybe quit looking at that, then I'm doing better. And we're trying to climb this ladder to heaven, trying to work our way, trying to do it ourselves. And that's crazy, because look, you ain't, there's not enough steps. And here's, here's the problem. There's two issues. One, uh, if we're doing good, pride builds up in our life. So then we're saying, look what I did, not look what God's done. And then the opposite is, uh, you may have a lot of confidence and pride, but the opposite is if you fail, well, then you're way down here. And there's no assurance in that. If you mess up, you do something, now you're looking at this ladder and you have no confidence in your salvation at all. You don't even, I, I don't know what you would do. So what Christ is, is this. This is the problem with religion. It's this self-system that we create. But what God does is he says, no. Uh, he comes, he fulfills that. He just fulfills that. Doesn't throw the law away, but lives a life we could never live. And then replaces it with a cross. And this is the power of restoration. That's the problem with religion. But this is the power of restoration. That we believe in him and what he's done. Not what we could do, but what he's done. And we give him our life. We surrender it all to him. And he forgives us forever. And then the love that he puts in our heart keeps us going after him. Religion didn't make a way. Love did. Not only that, religion doesn't sustain us. His love does. Religion doesn't sustain us. His love does. His love doesn't grow cold. I remember standing on my wedding day at the altar. And I remember making vows to my wife. And I said this, for better or for worse, rich or poor, sickness or health, till I die. I made a covenant with my wife. And here's what I want you to see. I don't care if we live in a cardboard box. I have her. I don't care. She could get sick tomorrow. I'll take care of her. And Jesus made a vow on a cross. He made a promise to our heart. He'll never leave or forsake us. That, that he'll keep us. He'll take care of us. That's what love does. It sustains. He says, those who I chose, I'll call. I'm going to call them. Those who I called, I'll, I'll justify. If I call you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to justify you. I'm going to make you right. And those who I justify, I will glorify. Who I justify, I will glorify. I'm going to make you right. And not only am I going to save you, I'm going to keep you. And you will see me in glory. You will make it to heaven. Uh, it sustains us. I think about the story of Hosea. Every time I talk about the love of, of God, it's just this awesome picture. God wants to show his love for Israel. So he goes up to his prophet, Hosea, and he says, Listen, Hosea, uh, I want you to go marry a prostitute. I don't, it don't really sound like something God would say, right? But he, I want you to go marry a prostitute, and I'm going to show my love for Israel. So Hosea goes, he finds a prostitute. Her name is Gomer. He marries her, brings her back. They have a few kids. Life is great. Then he comes home one day, and she's gone. Just left him. Thanks a lot, God. Appreciate that. Then God says, no, no, no. I want you to go back and get her. Go get your wife. So he goes back to where, where he found her the first time, finds her on a sex slave uh, trading block, and ends up paying a price to get his wife back. And when she saw him come and pay the price, she couldn't help herself but to go back with him. And I think about Christ as he came and paid a price for us. I can't help myself but to want to follow him. It sustains us. And lastly this, it says, God wants his church to have his heart. And that's a heart rooted in love. He's, he's talking to the Ephesus church. And here in Ephesians 3, it says this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love. I want you to be rooted and established in love. That's what I want as a church. I want you to be rooted and established in love that you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep the love of Christ. And to know that the love that surpasses knowledge, that people can't even wrap their minds around it. That's how awesome God's love is, that they would be filled to the measure 
of all the fullness of God. Mark 12, 30, 31. Love the Lord with your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. He says, I want you to love God. I want you to love people. I want you to be a church that's rooted in love. I don't want you to forget the whole reason you're doing what you're doing because it's because of the love you first had for me. So here's the question. Uh, what does that love look like? First, we have the source of it. Uh, God, uh, love isn't something that God necessarily does. It's who he is. Uh, he can't help himself. He is Love, and he's like the vine with the branches. If we're hooked to him, uh, he'll put his love inside of us. He's the source, uh, not just the source of love, but the substance of it. Uh, what it's made of is unconditional. It doesn't have favor. It's not based on a condition or an appearance or a performance. It's not based on social status, but his love for you is based on that you have a soul. Uh, it's not based on your history or past, but based on you have a heart. The substance of his love, it's sacrificial that he spent uh, three years of his ministry serving other people. It's sacrificial that he died on a cross. Now we see the satisfaction of it. One is it completes us. It just, it just fills me up like running water, like a spring of water welling up in your heart. It just keeps on coming. Jesus is the first thing I found that doesn't get old. I had a friend one time tell me, he said, uh, Blake, everything else gets old. Uh, cars get old, houses get old, clothes get old, songs get old, dogs get old. Everything we try to satisfy ourselves with, sin gets old. Jesus just keeps on getting better and better. It truly satisfies us. It completes us. There was a guy, they said, who went to the altar one time, and the pastor walked up to him. The pastor said, oh, what, can I, what can I do for you? The guy looked at the pastor and said, I want the full meal deal. Want the full package. If God got it, I want it. Well, listen, when God saves you and puts his spirit in you, he gives you the full meal deal. He'll complete your life that nothing else will complete. Now, sin will satisfy for a season, but it won't satisfy forever. But Jesus truly satisfies. It completes us. Not only that, but it compels us. I love the story of uh, the woman at the well when Christ, he went out of his way, and there's a lady there. And you have to understand the reputation of this lady that she had tried to satisfy herself with relationships with other men. She has a horrible reputation. Awful. Uh, she's the laughingstock of the town. She has to come to the well in the heat of the day all alone because she don't want to be around other people. And God goes out his way and he tells her this, I'll give you living water. She says, oh, there's someone coming called the Christ. And, and, and Jesus steps up and he's like, yeah, I'm him. And it says she left her water jar and went into town and told everybody, come look, is this, come, we found a man. Is not this the Christ? Come and see. It compels her. His love just compels her. I remember uh, no one had to tell her to do that. No one had to tell. I didn't need a connect group to tell me to, to read my Bible. I didn't need a pastor on this planet to tell me to love God, love my neighbor, to love people. When I found Jesus and he put his love inside of me and I knew that I was broken and he fixed me, I was calling up random people. Found Jesus! They, th they thought I was on drugs. Like, like, I don't know what Blake's talking about. I just got the phone with him. Said something along the lines of, he found Jesus. Kind of weird. Maybe he'll be over in a little while. Six years in, I'm still saying it. No one, no one had to tell me. Uh, because I found something better. I don't need religion. That's no different than any religion in the world. It says, do this, and then God will accept you. But my God came and did what I couldn't do. And because he did it, he accepted me. Now I want to give my life to him. It compels us. So really, i got a few closing questions for us. If you want to write these down, you can. It says this. Here's one question i got for you. What is your love for others? Say about your love for God. What does your love for others say about your love for God? Because truly, if you love God, you'll love other people. He wants you to be rooted and established in love. Not just that, but this. How have you put performance over a person? So many times I get caught up having to read 
sit up wanting to read. Or so many times I get caught up uh, going to church, uh, being a part of community, doing all these things, but I forget the person behind it all. I forget my first love. I want to ask you that. How have you put performance over the person? And then lastly, this. Have you been trying to do the what apart from the why? So many times people miss it, and it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart because they just miss it. They think they go to this ladder system, and they try to do better. And it breaks my heart because I want to tell them, you'll never be good enough. You can take the best person in the world apart from Christ, and it doesn't matter what they do. What they do won't restore them. They need forgiveness. And I feel like maybe there's some of you in here that's you're trying to do all the right things, but maybe you're missing the person behind those things. If that makes sense. And I tell you, I just I would really search my heart. The scripture said, whoever has ears, let them hear. Let them hear the Spirit. Man, that's my question. Is what God, what is God telling you right now? What's God doing in your heart? And my advice would be, don't let it pass by. Don't let it pass by. Because God wants to do something in your life. You may say, Blake, I know you're talking about this whole first love, how I'm doing good things, but I lost, lost my first love. Maybe you're saying, Blake, I don't even know if I've had a first love. I don't even know if I remember a time. Can you remember a time when you met Christ? Can you remember a time when he changed your heart forever? And what I'd tell you right now is he wants to. He wants to. So here's what we're going to do. I want to pray for y'all. If y'all will, y'all just close y'all's eyes real quick and bow y'all's heads. You say, Blake, I'm not sure if I've had this love that you're talking about. That's what I want to know. I'm not so worried about what we do. I want to know, do you love Jesus with all your heart? Because if you love Christ and he's transformed your life, you'll do, you'll do everything we're supposed to do. So that's my question to you this morning. Do you love Jesus? Uh, Do you have a a light that shines for Christ? Do you remember a time when he's saved your life that uh, you knew that you were broken, you knew that you were in sin, and not that you're trying to fix it yourself, but you just surrender it all to him? And if you're in this room right now, and you say, I've never done that, I, I don't have that assurance. Will you do me one favor while everyone's eyes are closed and head is bowed? Will you just simply raise your hand? If that's you and you're in here, will you just raise your hand? And if not, for the rest of us, my challenge to us is just to do what this text says, to get focused on what God's done for us, uh, to to get back to our first love. And I just want to close real quick and and pray for y'all. Father, we love you. We thank you for this time together. God, thank you for what you've done, God, that you've done something I never could possibly do. And God, forgive us, God, for for losing focus on the whole point, God, that you came and you died on a cross for us. And so many times we get in this religious spirit, God, where we think that what we do builds up acceptance, or we judge others and we forget, God, that you're the one that pulled us from that spot. God, give us a passion again, God, to compel us, that you complete us and compel us into the community to want to go reach out to other people and tell them about the love that we have for you because of the love you first had for us. So thankful for this time together. We love you. We love your son. His name we pray. Amen.